Hello and a very warm welcome to Fanby Daily for Friday, October 2nd, 2020. I am your host, head of Fanby Media, John Warren, and I'm here to take you through the news and games and entertainment in less than 10 minutes. Hey, we made it through another week, so let's go. According to several reports, including one from Wrestling Inc., WWE sent an edict down to its talent this week, reminding them that they had until today, October 2nd, to comply with new company guidelines involving doing individual business with their likenesses outside of WWE itself, most notably when it comes to Twitch and Cameo accounts. Not stopping unauthorized relationships with these entities or failing to sign the accounts and revenue over to WWE could result in suspension or termination. In the case of Twitch accounts, even those under real names and not stage names of a specific talent, those will be taken over and controlled by WWE in four weeks. Those accounts will then split revenue between WWE and the talent, but that revenue will count against their downside guarantee, another way to say base income. YouTube accounts will apparently not be controlled by WWE, but could still fall under these guidelines at a later date. WWE must still be informed of the existence of these accounts. WWE talent will turn control of Cameo accounts over to WWE as well, with talent authorizing WWE as their official representative and directing all payments to WWE. In early September, when vague reports of this edict were first reported, WWE released the following message to media outlets, quote, much like Disney and Warner Brothers, WWE creates, promotes, and invests in its intellectual property, i.e. the stage names of performers like The Fiend Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Big E, and Braun Strowman. It is the control and exploitation of these characters that allows WWE to drive revenue, which in turn enables the company to compensate performers at the highest level in the sports entertainment industry. Notwithstanding the contractual language, it is imperative for the success of our company to protect our greatest assets and establish partnerships with third parties on a company-wide basis rather than at the individual level, which as a result will provide more value for all involved, end quote. The focus in our reporting on the use of real names is an important one. There's a reason I keep saying that. There's a reason uh, WWE said uh, they're protecting the stage names of performers. Uh, WWE, which is to say the on-screen wrestlers and entertainers of the company, are independent contractors. It is likely their contracts adhere to language referencing the characters they play on WWE television, since the stage names are usually trademarked and protected by the company. To some extent, it is understandable that protected IP, created and controlled by WWE, would be monetized by WWE, but many wrestlers are using their real names, or at least stage names not used or owned by WWE in any capacity, to run their Twitch and Cameo accounts couple of examples. Austin Creed is known as Xavier Woods on WWE television, but he uses the Creed stage name outside of WWE and has for a long time. Up Up Down Down, the video channel run by Creed, has grown immensely in popularity over the last five years. He's done work with Greg Miller over at Kinda Funny, he's done stuff with Kenny Omega or another wrestler, uh, he's all over the place with this brand. Asuka, one of the best wrestlers in the world, uh, signed to WWE, runs an incredible YouTube account under Kanachan TV, a reference to her real name and the stage name she used in Japan before coming to the US. These accounts are likely not covered in their original contracts, and the talent will more or less have to opt in to this new agreement. 
TV host John Oliver and 2020 failed pre presidential nominee Andrew Yang have both been outspoken about this issue, claiming WWE likely has no legal right to do the things it is doing to third-party revenue that has nothing to do with their WWE television characters or trademarks. WWE and its chairman Vince McMahon, on the other hand, have a long history of union-busting and squashing internal legal movement from talent. Keep an eye on this story. I know I will. Uh, I don't think this is the last you've heard of it, especially considering there has not been a better time in recent memory for ex-WWE stars to head to actual greener pastures with the advent of popular new promotion All Elite Wrestling. Moving on. Uh, Joy-Con grift. Grift. Uh, see, you know what? I'm going to keep that take because it is a Joy-Con grift. But what I meant to say is Joy-Con drift continues to be an issue, nagging at Nintendo in the form of an ongoing class action lawsuit being pursued by <laughs> by Chimicles, Schwartz, Kreiner, and Donaldson Smith LLP. According to the firm, Nintendo is claiming that Joy-Con drift isn't a real problem or has not caused anyone any inconvenience. That part is from the law firm, to be clear. Nintendo's stance has uh, been from the beginning of this lawsuit uh, that they wanted to quietly begin repairing units for free and have more recently apologized for the problem. If they are claiming it is not a problem, it's not in the media. It must be to the legal team that's that's doing this lawsuit. Anyway, CSK and DSLLP is asking folks experiencing Joy-Con drift to send in 90-second videos explaining how the problem has affected their enjoyment of the Nintendo Switch. The deadline for those videos, or submitting those videos, is October 16th. So if you're going to do this, go ahead and send it to them. Uh, in these videos, the law firm hopes to get histories of Nintendo fandom, specific problems experienced with the controllers, problems with the repair process itself, and if this specific issue has resulted in a loss of trust in Nintendo. Uh, you can see the full text of the excerpt of that legal brief over uh, on fanbyte.com, and uh, we also have the email address there if you want to send in a video. It's up to you. I, I have no dog in this fight. Uh, two bits of site news. Uh, Nikki wrote a cool guide today about getting Project xCloud up and running with the new Chromecast with Google TV device. Uh, go check that out. Let us know if you get it uh, running. Uh, Natalie Wiener uh, has posted her second sports column today discussing all of the horrors of college football's return through the lens of its most popular pregame show, College Game Day. I think even if you're not into sports, um, it's a really good article to kind of see why the return of sports is um, so asinine in the current climate that we're in. It's it's a great piece. Uh, that is it for Fanby Daily. I appreciate you being with me all week, of course. Come back again on Monday. In the meantime, please check out our wonderful podcasts at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Um, I loved this week's East Coast office hours between Merritt and Danielle. Uh, they just had a couple of really great conversations, covered some cool ground. Uh, you Love to Scream It was recorded. It was also amazing. We discussed 1996 horror comedy, The Frighteners. That's not out yet. You'll have to wait until Monday morning. Uh, but that was a really great episode. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out. I hope y'all have a great weekend.